Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. And they've recently launched a developer platform for complete control. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, just go to squarespace.com slash twip and use the offer code twip2. This week on TWIP, the changing landscape of online learning, Twitter launches Vine, and Vimeo acquires Echograph, plus an interview with Darlene Hildebrandt from HerViewPhotography.com. It's Wednesday, February 20th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we're going to be diving into a number of topics. We're going to try to get to all of these, but we may not. The first one is the changing landscape of online learning or e-learning, how things have changed over just the past couple of years and more recently in the past couple of weeks. There's been some some shakeups and movers and shakers coming into the industry and some consolidations. So we're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to talk about Twitter in- integrating Vine and Vimeo or tw- integrating Vine and then Vimeo acquired a company called Echograph. So we're going to talk about that and how that might affect photographers in the social media landscape. HTC has coined the phrase ultra pixels as if megapixels weren't enough. Now we have ultra pixels. So we're going to talk about that. Maybe it's a camera that Ultraman would use. And then the last topic that we're going to try to hit on is retail and kind of the, the state of retail and how it seems like companies are moving in that direction to opening up brick and opening up brick and mortar stores. Google's doing it. Apple, of course, did it. Um, Gateway led the charge way back when. And then finally, I've got a great interview with Miss Darlene um, Hildebrandt of Her View Photography. She and I talked about marketing and photography and diversification as a business owner and all that kind of stuff. So joining me to discuss all of these topics and more on this week's show are Miss Nicole Young and a newbie to the show, Mr. Tom Anderson. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. All right. All right, let's kick it off. Nicole, you've been on... Tom has never been on the show. Let's let's do a quick introduction to Mr. Tom Anderson. Tom, you are connected to the show through Suzanne Llewellyn, who's our producer, and she makes all the magic happen and logistically getting all this stuff done. Without her, the show wouldn't get out. But it turns out it's all in the family because you are an image maker as well. You love photography, and you do some pretty incredible stuff with Make Magazine and all that. So tell us about yourself. Well, I'm an engineer, and I come to photography from a more technical point of view. Uh, I really like to take an object and get a picture of it. Mm-hmm. So I usually start off with something that I need a picture of and figure out how to make it look like I want it to look. Nice, nice. And what's what's Make Magazine? I, I know what Make Magazine. If you're if you're a geek with any kind of geek cred, you know what Make Magazine is. But for those of us or those in the audience that don't know what it is, what's it all about? Well, the idea is to learn how to make things yourself, uh, how to take things apart, change what they do, uh, violate licenses, uh, get an electric so it's, shock. It's, it's, it's uh, like a, it's a hacker magazine for the terrestrial world, like hackers with atoms instead of hackers with electrons. Yes, they can, you can hack with bits or you can hack with matter. 
Nice, nice. And what's your pleasure? Which which do you prefer? Like, what what are some some articles that you've written for that magazine? Uh, I've actually written uh, about making yourself a little pirate radio station. Uh, how to do high speed photography was one I did a while back. Nice. Uh, electronics, uh, restoring uh, electric guitar amplifiers. I love it. So you're you're the person in the house that fixes everything, right? Where <laughs> us yeah, mere mortals and say yeah, or breaks it, yeah, or make something yeah, new out of it. Mostly, I have a pile of junk, and uh, <laughs> and every now and then I can make something out of it. Make a uh, Cylon out of it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Tom, welcome, welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you. All right, and that other voice that you heard there or that you're looking at if you're watching this stream is Nicole S. Young. Nicole, are you still branding yourself as Nicole Z? Because I know there was like a marriage in there and a name. What's going on there? I am technically Nicole Matias, but I love it. I, <laughs> is, is that the other Matias in the background <laughs> I heard? <laughs> but online, you'll online and books and everything. I'm keeping my branding as Nicole S. Young and Nicole Z, just to kind of keep things consistent and Ooh. to kind of <laughs> <laughs> get, get him over here. Where is he? Get him on the camera. I want to see him. Brian. <laughs> so I haven't had, I haven't said congratulations to you guys. Congratulations, oh, Mr. So. and Mrs. Look at that. I love it. I love it. I just got home from work, so I didn't need to interrupt. <laughs> no, no worries. That's cool. So, Nicole, other than getting married and relocating and shooting and writing and all that stuff, what's going on in Nicole S. Young, Matthias' world? Well, I just yesterday launched a website. Uh, it's a storefront for selling my Lightroom presets, and I have yes. a Photoshop Actions set in there. And eventually, I'll be writing ebooks and putting them in their self-published ebooks. Um, so that's first it. of all. But I gotta say about that, that is a brilliant move. I think that's oh, that's <laughs> that is where you needed to go. I, I know you've been writing for other people, like you know the Craft and Vision and, and Peach Pit and all those guys. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it definitely makes a lot of sense for you to sort of, you know. Tin the garden in your own backyard. Yes. I think it, I think it's I'm, awesome. I'm really excited about it. You know, I've I've put together a, a actually I have a free ebook that I give away on my site, and it's um, an accumulation of, of several some of my better blog posts. So that's actually free if, if for anyone who to go to my website at nicolezy.com if you want to download that. And I had a lot of fun with the whole process of putting it together, uh, the InDesign, and I'm I'm really going to expand on that. Uh, I think the fun thing about self-publishing is I'm really familiar with the whole publishing world. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have seven or six books out there, you know, four print books and a couple of eBooks. So I, I understand the process and I have so many, it, I have so many things I want to write about that I can't fit into those, you know, into Peach Pit or into Craft and Vision and I want to kind of do them. So I'll just do them for myself or for other people, but you know, I, I won't have to have somebody say, yes, you can write that. I can actually yeah. do it myself. And I love it. So I'm really excited. It's still a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. No, tell me. I know, I know. So tell, so what, just getting geeky with it a little bit, what's, how are you powering the site? Are you using like Magneto or yeah, Shopify have, or one of those have, guys? Yeah, actually. Well, I'm using uh, WordPress with a theme. I, I mm -hmm. think it is a Shopify theme mm -hmm. and I'm using WordPress e-commerce. I actually have been selling a few Lightroom presets on my blog for a while, just since October, and I, you know, I was doing eJunkie, and I'm mm -hmm. now I'm moving from eJunkie to my, you know, just WordPress uh, WP e-commerce plugin. Actually, I love it. Yeah, because I really, you know, I, I thought it'd be kind of a challenge for myself uh, setting it up because I did use a plugin 
I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I use a theme. It wasn't extremely challenging. I, I do know enough of basic coding and I'm really good at computers and figuring things out. So, yeah. but you know, I did it all myself. But it was it was a lot of fun, and and so far it's it's doing it's doing okay. And we'll have to geek out about that. We'll have yeah, definitely sure. have to geek because I'm uh, I am kind of in the same boat. We're about a week, maybe two weeks away from relaunching uh, Media Bytes, which was redesigned using a theme, um, but it's using. WooCommerce as mm -hmm. the back end. So it's a Woo theme and using WooCommerce as the commerce engine that drives it. So, yep. and a bunch of plugins, you know, and all this other crazy yeah. stuff. But it's. Yeah, the, the WooCommerce and WP Ecommerce are kind of the two that I see out there that are mm -hmm. real popular with, with WordPress. And they're really pretty. I thought it was going to be intimidating to move from eJunkie because eJunkie is simple, but. I prefer it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't have to pay anyone to do it for me. Yeah. I just... And I, I think, I mean, not to go too far down that rat hole, but yeah. I think you get a lot more flexibility in terms of marketing your business and couponing and sales and all that yeah. stuff. You have complete control over the whole thing. I love yeah. it. Cool. All right. You mentioned InDesign. Did, did you go for the Adobe subscription? To the, yeah, uh, I have the, the Creative Cloud. Team? I have the whole Creative Cloud, and, and actually InDesign was the reason. And I'm, I'm not a pro at InDesign, but I use enough of off things like such, you know, InDesign, and then I go to Premiere Pro, and those two aren't in any group together with Photo or with Adobe. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do the whole Creative Cloud, and mm -hmm. I really like it. And you get updates. It's good and bad with Photoshop and anything. You get updates that people who have the DVDs and the downloads don't mm -hmm. get. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's good and bad because I do a lot of help desk stuff and. I have to remember that I have things that other people don't. Have. No, because <laughs> so you're always on the cutting edge now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I pulled the. I, I, you know, I, I criticized that move to subscription when they first did it. You know, just because I criticize everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> just my knee-jerk reaction. As I get older, I'm just critical of everything. You know, um, but uh, I pulled the trigger and I'm happy with it. I mean, it, from from the standpoint of. I guess having access to everything and, and not having any CDs and being up to date on everything all the time, but also from the standpoint of the bunch of applications I have access to that I probably would never would have purchased. Mm -hmm. Now I can just play around with them, you yeah. know, and just kind of kick the tires and say, you know what, I'm going to dive into After Effects today and see yeah, what I, you know. Go to lynda.com and learn it up. But, you know, mm -hmm. I will say, and I, I know we're not really going to be talking about this much, but I'll just kind of touch on it real sure. quickly. The one thing I don't like about Creative Cloud, and it's not it's not affecting me yet, but when CS7 or whatever the next ver version comes out, I will no longer have CS6. And one of the things that's important for me as a, a help desk person who I'm working with people who go all the way back to CS3 or earlier, I, don't, I have CS3 through CS6 on my computer right now, but as soon as they update to CS7, or like I said, I don't know what it's gonna be called, then I'm gonna be out of luck and I won't have yeah. CS6. I test things like my Lightroom or my Photoshop presets. I tested those on every single version, and there were some subtle differences. I even have a CS6 version and a CS6 Creative Cloud version for my presets because there's a new update to the cloud that is, so it's different than the regular CS6. So I'm, it's like, well, what am I? I'm not going to have the legacy versions, and you know. I've, you may have to just invest in an older computer that runs your legacy software for testing purposes. Yeah, it, or maybe yeah, you yeah. could take snapshots of, with a virtual machine. If there you, you really go. Want to geek out? See. There you go. Look at that. I'm thinking like <laughs> buy a whole new computer and of course the smart guy on the show is like, no, just like instantiate a bunch of machines and run the software. <laughs> yeah, you should be able to say grab a snapshot once a month and uh, 
You should totally do that. Look it up. Yeah. Nicole, yeah. I think I think there's your answer. It All may right. try to update your virtual machines when you if you bring them online though. So I, I don't know. Do they have to check the license over the web? Yeah, they do. Get access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, check mm-hmm. license and, yeah, they might yeah. not like that. No, just hack it. You'll be fine. You got you got Tom. <laughs> Tom can help you hack it, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm just kidding, Adobe. I'm just kidding. Don't send the stormtroopers. I'm just joking. Don't make things worse for those of us who actually have legitimate copies. Yeah. (laughs) Already hard enough. All right. Before we continue, guys, I want to. So my quick update is um, a couple of weeks ago, I launched this contest. I called it the transporter. um, What did I call it? Transporter X2 or, you know, basically I'm giving away two transporters from Connected Data. Jeff Barrell's company, the guy behind Drobo that went on to start Connected Data. Is, uh, started this company where they create basically personal Dropbox devices um, that you can install, plug into your own network or attach to your own Wi-Fi network, and it becomes your own personal Dropbox that then you can take another one of these devices, and I could put one, say, at Nicole's house, and it would just mirror itself over there and vice versa with no terms of service, no privacy breaches, none of that crazy stuff. So... I'm giving away two of them, or actually Connected Data is allowing me to give away two. The contest ended yesterday with 300 and some odd entrants in it, and Luke Gallard, Mr. Luke Gallard, is the winner. So congratulations, Luke. I've already emailed you, so all you got to do is respond to my email with, a, uh, with, your, with the information I asked for in that email, and you'll probably have it hopefully next week or so. So congratulations to Luke Gallard. To follow up on that, because now I've been bitten by the contest bug, I want to keep doing these contests, Nicole and I were trading emails earlier this week um, about her brand new store, and Nicole, what are, I, I, I feel like a game show host. Nicole, <laughs> Nicole, what are we giving away to the great listeners? <laughs> well, Frederick, <laughs> no, so I'm going to be giving away, or we're going to be giving away every, basically everything in my store which is not, don't get too excited. <laughs> I have uh, eight Lightroom 4 presets and one preset, I'm, I'm sorry, Photoshop Actions uh, set, which includes 10 actions. So that's a total of, I believe, 80 Lightroom 4 presets and wow. 10 actions. So Wow. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to give that away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this contest run a full week, so we'll kick it off. I'll kick it off uh, with this show, so I'll launch it tonight. The listeners will hear about it. Friday when the show goes live, well, the, the Hangout listeners are hearing about it now, but um, it'll go live, and then I'll announce the winner in next week's show. And, Nicole, you'll just do the magic and make sure they get their winnings, right? Sure. And I'm going to just, real quick, it's store.nicolesy.com. Yes. Yeah, we, didn't, we never mentioned that. I got that it in there. So. <laughs> I know. See, I got I to gotta school you on marketing. You're like, <laughs> all this wonderful stuff about your store, WP Commerce, I, you know, and all I, this. I tried to say it, but you, you, you actually interrupted me. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. It's okay. no, I'm no, a bad, no. bad host. <laughs> say it again. Say it again, Nicole. What is it? Store.nicolesy.com. Store.nicolesy.com. Perfect. <laughs> All right, go over there right now if you're watching this. Okay, all right, guys, let's jump into the first story here. Uh, the number one story, and I know, Nicole, this is right up your alley because you, um, you're you uh, an author, right? So you are, by nature, an educator, so you know about this stuff. So the whole idea of the changing landscape of online learning. Earlier this week, I think it was, or either late last week, lynda.com, which, if you haven't heard of them, is a gigantic e-learning site where if you, like we were talking about before, you want to learn... After Effects, for example, you can go to lynda.com, sign up for a subscription or a free trial, and 
learn all about After Effects with the screencast videos that walk you through every little nook and cranny of the software from an expert in After Effects, like Richard Harrington or Chris Orwig or someone like that. It's amazing. But there was another company out there that was kind of uh, running alongside lynda.com. They were called Video to Brain, and we've talked about them on the show as well. They've same kind of thing. You know, you want to you want to learn about Premiere or audio editing or something like that, you go to Video to Brain, sign up and learn it. Well, lynda.com has gobbled up Video to Brain. Now Linda is bigger. <laughs> so so they uh, this is uh, Video to Brain is an international company. I think they're in uh, Germany, I want to say, but they're they're not in the United States. So Linda use with this acquisition expands her reach. Would you say Nicole? Austria, it says. Austria, mm-hmm. Austria. So they're expanding their reach uh, with multilingual content and international markets and all that good stuff. So wanted to just highlight that. And then secondly, there's a new crowdsource. Actually, before I go to this, this new company that was just announced, I want to talk about this acquisition a little bit and just e-learning. So, Tom, you know, looking at the, the way that you sort of approach the things you do with, the, with hacking and photography, do you ever find yourself in a situation where – you know, you're like, I really need to know how to do X, and I don't know how to do it, so I need to do, I need to jack into the matrix and get that data into my head somehow, and you go to a, a distance learning site. Do you, are you a consumer of this kind of content? Absolutely. I use, uh, I've used the Stanford video courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, they have a really good course in iOS development, and so I've learned in a matter of hours, uh, you know, I really was able to capture the value of this course and it was all free and online, and it worked great. Um, so I've been really lucky in that the couple of things that I've done had good content uh, uh, that I didn't have to didn't have to pay for. Uh, I've seen the stuff on Linda, and I it looks great, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. I mean, even just the process of clearing the rights to to put all that stuff online must be uh, must be quite a challenge. I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I really it's a- have to put a lot of work into it. There's a ton of there's a ton of stuff up there, Nicole. Looking looking at it from an educator standpoint, um, what is this? I mean, where where are things today? Because we've got, you know, we've got your brick and mortar educational institutions. We've got workshops that people can take. That seems like a new one's popping up every day that you can go to, whether online, virtual, like a like a Creative Live or something like a meetup or something like that. And then we've got these kind of on demand, distanced learning propositions where where are things right now so if someone is just jumping into photography or they're just jumping say they're an established photographer they know what they're doing behind the camera but they don't know InDesign and Photoshop and that kind of thing should they just go buy a book from the bookstore or Amazon or should they get online and do a lynda.com slash video to brain thing should they take a course workshop what what's the right way to get this stuff into your head well you know there's obviously no right way but it's, it's going to be right depending on the person. Uh, I'm the kind of person who I learn very well visually and in person, um, mm. but we don't have always have the um, luxury of being able to take, let's say, like an advanced InDesign class. You know, That's going to be hard to get to. It's going to be expensive. Um, timing, everybody is, has really busy schedules. I really, really, for me, you know, I'm actually one of those people. I'm, I'm, I'm an established photographer, but there are still things that, I want to know better because I am, I encompass my entire company. You know, I'm my, I am my only employee. Mm-hmm. So when, with launching my website, I 
I had to do everything. I had this whole laundry list of stuff. And I did it in a re- relatively short period of time because that's all I focused my attention on for like several weeks. Yeah. But I, you know, and, and it's actually interesting that we're talking about this because in putting together my website, one of the things that I'm learning is I need to learn how to do PHP. I know, mm-hmm. I know HTML. I mean, I can't sit and just write, you know, code, crazy code. Um, I know, I know CSS. I know enough of these things to put the pieces together correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to PHP, I always make sure that I copy and paste whatever <laughs> I'm working on into a text file and save it to my desktop before yeah. I start making changes <laughs> to yes. whatever. Because I have broken things, and then, ah, crap, I have to copy and paste it back and, you know, bring it back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've manipulated things. Some things are simple. But I need to learn that. And I will probably be going to lynda.com because I almost guarantee that there's something on there that will teach me how to do that. Yeah. And and also, these kind of classes take a lot of self-motivation. I mean, I have I have a monthly lynda.com subscription, but I I definitely don't use it as much as I should because yeah. I either forget it's there or I'm like, oh, you know, because sometimes I just want to sit and watch um, Photoshop, for example. Yeah. I know Photoshop really well, but you can always learn something, especially when you're learning from the types of instructors that they have on lynda.com and, and these other sites. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, I think that these are really awesome moves. I think it's just expanding on top of what we already... Uh, are you know it's obviously it's obviously a market that they're smart with and they know that is is wanted by photographers and other other people who are into this kind of stuff. Yeah, and and the fact that the Lynda.com is in a in a position where they're making acquisitions and growing and getting bigger is sort of a, a testament to how how much appetite there is out there for this kind of content and learning just like you i mean i'm in the same boat like we're running these tandem lives right now i feel like because i'm like <laughs> i was just thinking the other night i'm like there was this problem that I hit on the site. I'm like, I got to figure this out. I'm on tech support and you know, this is not working. It's not sending emails like it's supposed to send, you know, all this stuff, trying to figure all this stuff out for media bytes. And I'm like, okay, if I just knew PHP, like I knew HTML, I would be so much further ahead of the game rather than, because you feel like you're like Tom, I'm sure. I don't know if you know programming languages, but you have the superpowers to, fix stuff and go in and change things and you know how things work. But if you, if you're at the user level all the time, you're kind of be held into the plumber, right? (laughs) Well, it's, it's really good when you're first getting started to go with video on almost anything, especially if it involves motion. Now programming, you can learn in a lot of different ways, but like how to take your camera apart or something like that. It's really Mm -hmm. nice to have the, to have somebody show you the mechanical actions because that's really hard to capture in a manual. Yeah. And, and you can, it's so much simpler. Uh, for things like learning programming, what I really like it for is for getting started and learning, well, there's all these different ways I could learn it, but if I start down any one path, that might not be a good path. So mm-hmm. it, it gives you just enough to get started so that you can choose a path for the more detailed work that you need to do. And what you really need is a good revision control system. And those things are really hard to learn. (laughs) What's a a revision control system? Well, when you are making changes to your code, you would like to be able to back up without Mm -hmm. littering files all over the place. Uh, And you would like a a very controlled way. So I'm going to make a little change. I'm going to see if it works. And if it is, I'm going to store that. And I'm going to put a little comment with it. Okay, I just fixed the email 
page. Yep. Yep. And then, I'm with Nicole. I'm with oh, Nicole. I, I keep that, huh? <laughs> I keep a, de- a text document open, and I do the I do the uh, you know here's the real stuff that I know works. Okay, make some changes. Okay, I broke it. Let me put the real stuff back. <laughs> I think he's saying we need like a log. I mean, Frederick, you and I should be doing this. We're we're ex military, former military. <laughs> we did like right. logging all the changes we make. <laughs> totally. So they they automated this whole logging concept, and if you look at GitHub. That's uh, uh, the really high-tech way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I've seen that. Great right yeah. on the map, on the Mac, where you just have a folder, and it's just under control, and it's all drag-and-drop. They made it a lot easier. Uh, Gitbox is one of them. Well, I'll tell you, uh, just, Nicole, this is for you um, as much as the listeners. As I go through this journey of deploying a, you know, a bulletproof e-commerce site, hopefully bulletproof, um, I've had to engage some third parties to do some custom coding for me to do things that I that the theme and the the shopping cart couldn't do, but I knew I wanted to do. So you know, there's nothing nothing's impossible. My friend Ralph at um, at a company I used to work for used to tell me that because I was I was in marketing, he was my engineer, and when I went to him with my MRD or my marketing requirements document, he would look at it and say, "You know what? Anything is possible, giving an, <laughs> given enough time or money." <laughs> So which one of those things is going to give? Either your list is going to get shorter, we're going to get more money or more time, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so so one resource that I would throw out there to the listeners is this, this new service that popped up called um, Codable, codable.io. And they, I think they're, they were kind of spawned by or at least kicked off by the folks at woo woothemes.com for folks that that need to do custom things to their wordpress themes and and commerce backends so you go in there it's it's a really simple site you go in there and you say you know what i need my shopping cart to do this this and this and it doesn't do that or i need this thing to be on this side of the screen or whatever and you type it up you say this is how much i'm willing to pay or you have them auto price it and boom, it comes back with you know uh, someone that says, "Hey, I can do that for you by Friday for this much money. Give me access to your site. I'll make it happen." And I've used That's them cool. twice already, and was just kind of blown away how perfect everything was. I'm like, "Wow, I don't need to learn anything. I can." Just- <laughs> you know, I have a friend. I actually have a, a really good friend. His name's Dave Veffer, and he's my codable guy. Oh, nice. <laughs> he's a guy that I go, Dave. I have a question, <laughs> and he usually is able to fix it for me. Well, so. see, for those of us without the Dave Veffer superpowers, <laughs> Codable and a PayPal account is your friend. Yeah. No, that's actually, I'm going to bookmark that because um, that's great for anyone out there who, I guess, who has a, their photography site on WordPress is, yeah. and you really yeah. want to get in deep, in deep totally. with it, then that's a good, yeah, that's awesome. And it's codable.io, not codable.com. So .io. So check those guys out. And the, you know, this, speaking of new services that launched, there's this new service. Um, and speaking of this distance learning stuff, there's a service out there called Skillfeed.com, which is taking a different kind of tack at this e-learning stuff. So in other words, folks like you guys or listeners that say maybe have a lot of knowledge on a piece of software or a photography technique or whatever, you can record that as a screencast or whatever and upload it to the skill feed site and they will serve it up and people can purchase it and you'll get a cut of the fee. Right. So instead of saying, Oh, one day if I get good enough, lynda.com will allow me to be an author in there like Chris Orwig or Scott Kelby will bring me on to Kelby training and I'll, you know, I'll live happily ever after you can start small. And in a lot of ways, if you start with skill feed 
and cut your 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 teeth on doing this stuff, maybe the bigger guys will look at you and say, "Hey, look, you got a bunch of stuff out. You seem to have you know you know what you're talking about, and you can train. Come on board over here as well." So. You know, skill feed, uh, I think it's really cool, and it kind of democratizes the online training space a lot. And I know who's on there right now. I know Trey Radcliffe is up there. He's got a bunch of content up there and a, and a list of other people. So I'd definitely check that out. Nicole, now, now looking at, say, a service like skill feed um, and just distance learning in general, like from the from the standpoint of like what are you going to do next like say say there's something in your head that you need to get done on on Nicole's store right and there's no Dave Veffer right where do you draw the line between I'm going to do it I'm going to learn how to do this myself I'm going to engage a lynda.com or I'm going to go to a codable.io and hire a big gun to do it where's that line for you I think, well, I'm the kind of person who I have to try to do it myself first. And that doesn't mean like taking up all of my time. But if I get to a point where I'm like, okay, this is too much for me. I, I may be able to learn how to do it, but I just don't want to take the time or I want to make sure it's done right. Uh, a good example actually is when I'm, I have an ebook that I'm writing and I've contacted um, Sean Welch, who's a really, um, he actually wrote that book uh, with, he co-wrote it with Guy Kawasaki, eight. Read okay. that book. Yeah. Great, lot of great information on self-publishing and publishing your stuff to you know Amazon and all, EPUBs and all that stuff. And I was really gung ho about okay, once I finish, I'm going to do that part of it myself. And mm-hmm. then I got to the point where I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire someone to do it. And mm-hmm. so I've talked. I've been talking with him. You know, so I'm going to have him basically do that end of it for me because because it's just it's it's too much. It's my time is too valuable to mm-hmm. try and do something that may not even be done correctly. And if I, you know, it's, it's interesting when you get to a point in your, your career, especially if you're self-employed, where you have to learn to kind of let things go. Yes. It's really tough. And I have so many things in my, what I do, you know, I, I create my own presets and actions and I create my own photographs. I edit my own photographs. You know, I have people do my taxes for me, <laughs> you know, and other like, editing and, and all of these things, you know, for, for my books. But it's really difficult with a job like this for any photographer uh, to let things go and have other people do them. So I'm slowly learning that I have to. If I want to actually create more content, I have to let other people do things for me. So it's, yeah, so that's just some thing to think about. So, Tom, Tom when, where's your outsource line? Because I, I agree with Nicole. I mean, you, I think... On the one hand, you want to you want to have a reasonable amount of knowledge about everything so that you can speak intelligently to the to the person. Even if you're asking someone to do something for you, you want to say, "Well, I kind of wanted to do this and do this." You know, you want to have a an intelligent conversation with a developer so that what's in your head can get into their head and they can execute properly. But where do you, Tom? Where do you draw the line in terms of things that you would do yourself? versus where you would, you know, call someone else to help you implement a project. Well, the way I think about it is is as a community. I mean, where do you go in the community for help and where do you find good communities? Mm-hmm. And an example of one for programming that I use, since I uh, have done a lot of work using a programming language called Perl, mm-hmm. uh, there's an online site called Perl Monks. Uh, and I can go there and ask a question and I'll have uh, more brain power than... The, uh, just a frightening amount of brain power on a on a problem, yeah. and that's that's been uh, a, a lot of help. And I've helped other people on that as well. And that's part of it is you kind of form this exchange network with people that you develop relationships with. And yeah. so 
just like you might ask for technical help from somebody uh, when they in turn want help with the picture, <laughs> you're it. Yeah. So, uh, so in this case, uh, there's and there's different things. Like I know people that have mach a machine shop. Like I have a, I have tools, but I don't have a whole, you know, metalworking machine shop. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I have places I can go for that, and and it's a it's a it, I think of it as a big community. Yeah, I just I just what what and I know we're we're off the rails a little bit. We have a bunch of stories to talk about, but this is interesting. Um, you know, I, I look at it as as I go down this path of learning all these different things. I love to learn different techniques and all this stuff, which is why I think I like photography and all this stuff because there's always something new to learn. Um, but my as maybe it's an age thing as I get older I find that I don't I don't want to focus on multiple things at a time like for example like Nicole you said you're focused on your site for the past couple of weeks or whatever mm -hmm. right yeah I find like my brain is always if there's an issue like I can't get this image to show up in the right place or this or whatever my brain is gonna just keep cranking on things to fix that problem but I'm not thinking about photography during that. I'm not like, okay, hey, there's this new HDR technique I want to try out. Oh, I want to go do this. My brain is locked into trying to figure out this issue. So how do you do that? I mean, the only way that I can think about, once I get this out, the only way I can think about getting around that is to just let go and say, okay, someone else is going to do all this stuff and I'm going to maintain, I'm going to be a photographer that runs a site, I'll manage all the components and have an IT guy and a designer and someone on the back end, and I'll know how all this stuff works and how the pieces fit together, but in the end, I'm the manager and I'm a, I'm a creative person. So, But Nicole, on your side, would you, would you agree with that or do you want to mm -hmm. keep your fingers in all the pies at all times? Uh, yeah, well, you, you kind of do, but you also have to... You also have to. You, okay, I haven't really photographed anything in the last week or two. See, <laughs> you know, just like exactly. And, I mean, look at what I've been posting. I took some pictures of my dog the other day. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they were good photos. They were actual, you know, portrait photos. But that's that's about all I've done because I've been so immersed. And like you said, you you get one thing that's wrong and you dwell on it and you mm -hmm. have to fix it. And there are some things that I have a few bugs on my site, but I. I have no, it's like PHP stuff that I don't know how to fix, you know, and it's not going to mm -hmm. affect, it's not like, oh my gosh, you know, the sky is falling. It's, it's small little things that a few people might see, but it won't affect anything overall. So I have to just learn to step back and be like, when I get the chance to have somebody, maybe I'll use, maybe I'll use that codable site for it because it's mm -hmm. something that I have no idea how to, and I probably will actually. So thank you for the, uh, the tip on that. Sure, but sure. yeah, it's, it's hard because when, when you build something from the ground up that is yours and your own in your photography business, it's hard to hand things over to other people and make and yeah. have them do it. Yep. The, the other thing I use is sleep. <laughs> uh, if you, and, and if you try that, uh, a lot of times you'll find that the problem is pretty obvious in the morning. I, I have to agree with you there, Tom, that, that, you know, it, it's weird because there was this area on the site where I I wanted to have what was it? It was a, it's a virtual product where you'd sign up and then you get access to this page and it has videos and all that stuff in there, right? Um, and I was using a third party plugin to help me lay it out because I wanted everything to look really slick and elegant. Um, and then I realized in my sleep as I'm laying in the bed, it came to me like. Use WordPress. <laughs> WordPress has built-in things to do all the stuff that I was trying to do, and I don't have to 
add another pl- pro, you know plugin and more software and open more exploitation holes. You know, I could just use the stuff that's already there. And I never would have thought about it. Like three hours went by of me trying to do this and save and ugly and okay, go back and. You know, and then it just came to me, and it was like perfect. Step away so. for a few minutes, and you know, a few hours or a weekend, and <laughs> go for a walk. Go for a walk yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, so before we leave this, I want to I want to pose this to both of you guys before we leave this topic. the The idea of people that are listening to this and looking at their world as photographers and trying to reconcile that with all the other things that they need to learn. Like Nicole, you mentioned PHP. Tom, you mentioned Perl. I'm talking about WordPress and the commerce backends and you know and then with that comes payment processing options and you know all this crazy stuff that you need to learn and there's like very little margin for error especially when you're dealing with payment processing mm-hmm. and all that and you overlay that I'm a photographer so how as people listen to this and they think you know well you know I want to move kind of in the direction that Nicole's going in how do they how do they reconcile that like how do they get to the point where okay, I'm going to just push this out and let other people do it, or I'm going to learn how to do all this stuff, or I'm just going to become a photographer and not do any of that. Like, I don't know. This is sort of, you know, I, I wrestle with that. Like, what's the best way to move forward with this? Because everyone's not a geek like us, Nicole, and yeah. Tom, I know. You, so, you know, how do, how do those people that aren't geeks, the cool people in the world, man, you guys are cool, but the cool people that are cooler than me, what do they do? Do they, do they just say, okay, I'm going to start a store or they say, you know, I'm going to step back and, and just be a photographer. Nicole? Well, I, it's a tough question. Isn't it? It's a tough question. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes it has to do with, um, like for me, my heart is really into my work. Mm-hmm. and my photography and my my store even i mean that's a lot of me out there you know that mm-hmm. um if if you just it's not about making money for me of course i would love to have it be self sufficient and then you know so I, it would help actually really pay for things for me but ultimately it's that's not you know oh i'm going to make millions of dollars on on a store for, with lightroom presets mm-hmm. uh, it's it's more than that and if it were just that it would be easy for me to just hand it over to someone and be like, okay, I want you to run this for me. And, you know, maybe we'll have someone else make the presets and, and I wouldn't have as much control and quality control over it because it's more than that for me, then it's harder for me to do that. Um, but ultimately I do find myself realizing, okay, I, there are elements and eventually there will be bigger elements uh, that I need to hand over to people. Um, and I, it's when it's after I realize I've sacrificed my time doing something that I could have hired someone to do when I could have been out photographing or creating more content. Yeah. That's, that's usually, it's usually after I realize I'm putting too much into this, I need to step away from it, find someone else to help me or just let it kind of plateau a little bit and then get into it later. So I can concentrate on other things that are also important to me. Yeah. Tom, what about you? Where do you fall on that in the, the balance between being a Jack of all trades and, and, or, focusing on one thing and letting other people do everything for you well i've never really been that good at at sort of letting other people do things i'm I'm way guilty of trying to do too much myself and so the but the general principle i think uh pornell uh said is uh if you don't know what you're doing work with people that do Mm -hmm. and and that helps a lot uh the other thing is you just have to look at your resources you know do you have time and no money or do you have money and no time or 
Or uh, none of it. What if you have none of either? You're, well, if you don't have any money, screwed, right? if you don't have any money, brains, or time, then <laughs> then you need to find something. You know, you can just watch yeah. television. I think is all you can do, really. There you go. Yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. All right, guys, we're definitely not going to have time to get into these other stories, so I'm going to push those <laughs> off to another show. We're already 40, 46 minutes into the show. It's amazing how fast this stuff goes. But let's uh, uh, on the skill feed stuff. I would definitely recommend folks to go check that out. Just go poke around the site. They just launched. Uh, give them feedback. There's some cool people over there that are putting all that stuff together. Uh, but story number two is about Twitter launching Vine and Vimeo acquiring Echograph. So. It, it, you know, if you can go look at this stuff, listeners, you can go look at these these articles and go check it out and, and learn about it for yourself and see what they're doing. But specifically for this show, I wanted to pose to you guys is the I want to take it from the standpoint of video in general. So we talked about these distance learning and that's all video, right? It's screencast video mostly, mostly, but you're learning through motion on the screen. Now Twitter is moving into they launched Vine, which is a video sharing app that allows users to upload short looping video clips. <laughs> is everything going to video now? I mean, YouTube owns the world. YouTube and Google seem like they own the media world. You know, is everything video? Nicole, what do you think? No, I don't think so. No? I mean, are you saying everything video and we're losing photography? Is that kind of what no, you're... No, no, from the standpoint... Or if we take it... No, photography is not going anywhere, of course. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking from the standpoint of blogging, right? Oh, so okay. there are these, like, blog posts. And I'll, I'll, I'll frame it for you like this. Um, uh, so I was reading this. I think it was Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. He was, he's, was talking about video on the web and how it is much more emotive and you can get your idea across more succinctly through video <clears throat> rather than the written word. So, you know, rather, you know, the, I think the context was being able to tell someone about a story and emote that story with your expressions and gestures and all that stuff versus being the world's best writer and trying to get all that down and, and, and connect to an audience. So, the the framing is with this stuff with video like with vine and all this stuff is video the new blogging like is it time to stop writing and start recording i don't i don't think so but i think it might encourage people who normally wouldn't blog to do their own like video blogging mm-hmm. uh, i know is think of it as as the consumers you know i love my rss feed i like using it on my ipad and i just kind of scan through it i read i don't want to push play and watch a video especially when it's late at night and, or, you know, I'm the only one awake in bed and I'm trying to watch something and I, I you know, I, I want to be respectful or if I'm somewhere sure. where it's loud and I don't have headphones and I can't hear it anyways. Uh, I prefer to read as opposed to when it comes to things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, now in that case, you know, there may be, you know, I've seen um, a few uh, like uh, Scott Kelby's had a few uh, people who've done blog. I think uh, Zach Arias, he did a really cool um, video uh, video that, you know, was so much better than probably what he could have done if he wrote, wrote mm-hmm. it out. So it's, it's just a different art form. In, of, it's a of, different medium, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, what about you? I mean, is, is video well, taking over the world? The hard part about – one of the hardest parts about video is actually getting the audio right because you're, you're so sensitive right. to audio problems. And so the idea of having little looping GIFs or whatever they are, that's a really great idea because they usually don't have any audio. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if GIF can, can does it even support audio? I don't no. think so. No, it doesn't. And so that's that's perfect because that way um, it'll be mostly harmless. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I want to I want to coin the phrase: Did video kill the blogging star? 
Video <laughs> If you're old enough, you understand the reference there. <laughs> well, I, I think in both cases, you've got to get the audio right, and that's that's actually hard work. So uh, I think that'll be a, a big area of uh, expertise to train the world in is how to how to make great audio. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Because you can have you can have the world's best, gorgeously lit video with talented, beautiful people in it, with sucky audio, and people will tune out. But you can have crappy video, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure basement video, and have excellent audio on top of that, and people will listen. You know, it's just, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. That's what I meant. <laughs> Wayne's World. See, now Fun you're really time, showing your age. <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, didn't didn't Wayne have one of those uh, scarves on or something like that? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, audio definitely. So I don't know. I mean, but looking at the the Twitter launching Vine or Vine and Echograph and all that stuff, mobile is as you overlay mobile into this stuff. How critical is that? For example. I don't know. I'm answering as I as I get this question out of my head. I'm answering it for myself. I already know the answer. But when you create video these days, you know, do you need to specifically keep a mobile audience in mind, or you just create video and you know let the let the chips fall where they may? Nicole, uh, I think yeah, just whatever. I just create yeah, it, put it up there. You want it? Well, like you know, I, I I did a few. Not to talk about my store again, but I did a few <laughs> tutorials. <laughs> And I wanted to make sure that when I previewed them that they looked fine, you know, and they did. They looked fine on my iPad, on my iPhone. I didn't have any Android devices to check it on. But, you know, that was important to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is more like like sharing, like, small things, like of your kid doing something silly. And then it just loops over and over and over and over, right? Right, right. Wouldn't that just get annoying? <laughs> I remember when, with Google+, Plus, people were post, especially, you know, when they allowed uh, GIFs, it was just like you'd be scrolling through your homepage and just be like all these crazy animations and uh, just mute, mute. That was mute. The, those were the old days. Those were the old yeah. days. I know. Those were the Wayne's World days. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Before we continue, I want to give a nod to our sponsor. Um, this episode of TWIP is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. Squarespace has developed new templates with, as we were just talking about, mobile-ready responsive designs, which means your site will automatically restructure itself to look great on any brand, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. And basically what happens is when you add an image to your site, the back end, the Squarespace engine, if you will, will generate seven different versions of the image so that when someone, say, comes on an iPhone or an iPad or whatever device with, di- with different screen ratios, it will deliver the correct size image so that you're not wasting bandwidth stuffing a big old fat image down onto a device that can't really make use of it. So and it's, you know, Squarespace, they've got, uh, I'm looking at their list here, there's a ton of new functions that they've added. So 100% drag and drop functionality for all of their customization tools. Um, as we mentioned, they've got a new page builder tool called the Layout Engine that allows you to customize pages by adding you add in blocks of content like photos and videos and text, social media, and preview the content as you go. So you're doing all this live and online and all this with social media integration and all that stuff. So it's really, really cool. Tied in with Facebook, Twitter, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Pinterest, StumbleUpon, all those guys are tied in. You can just integrate them 
into your site with drag and drop along with these crazy templates that they have so that you can, you know, if you decide, hey, I want a, a grid layout or I want this and I want this font on it, you just click and go. They've got over 300 fonts that you can choose from. So very cool, very powerful. They and just integrated it with SmugMug, didn't they? They did. They yeah. did. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the uh, it's crazy. Those guys are on fire. I was talking to Ryan I, in the last episode. I had we had an interview with me and one of the Squarespace guys over there. We were talking about how they, uh, what did they do during Hurricane Sandy? They had to build like a chain gang line to get fuel to the generator to keep the servers running, you know, because all the power was gone, you know, and they did it. They, they had zero downtime during the entire storm. So crazy stuff. So, um, you can check it out. They're, they're giving TWIP listeners a free trial. If you want to just go over to squarespace.com slash TWIP, you sign up for a free account. You don't need your credit card. You can just try it out, build your cool looking website. Then if you decide you want to keep that website, use the offer code TWIP, Two for 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, and that's including monthly and annual plans. So it's squarespace.com. Use the offer code TWIP2. All right, before we continue with the show, I'm going to let's do this interview that I recorded with uh, Darlene Hildebrandt. She and I sat down on Google Plus, as we're doing right now, to talk about just sort of how photographers can spread their knowledge around and diversify themselves while making and generating an income, kind of what you're doing, Nicole. So we talked about that. She runs a site called HerViewPhotography.com, so give that a listen. Okay, uh, special treat today. I'm joined by Darlene Hildebrandt. She's a neighbor to the north up in, uh, Darlene, where are you? You're Alberta, Canada, right? I am in Edmonton, Alberta. Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah. So she's joined us to uh, talk about her specific perspective on photography. But more importantly to me, at least, I want to learn about what she's doing on the business side, because she's doing some amazing things uh, in terms of diversification. I preach that on This Week in Photo a lot, how photographers, you can't just be an artist these days if you're in business. You can be an artist if you just want to be an artist and you have something else going on. But business-wise, for a lot of people, it makes sense to diversify and do other things as well that are still in the photography vertical. So Darlene is doing that like times 100. So I want to talk to her about that stuff. And But before we do that, we're going to talk about her background. So Darlene, welcome to This Week in Photo. Thanks so much. I'm honored. Oh, now the honor is all ours. So before we get in, let's introduce you to our audience. Who is Darlene Hildebrandt and... What made you turn to photography as uh, as your career choice? Uh, who am I? Wow, that's a pretty deep question for me. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I am I am a photographer. I've been a photographer for a pro for twenty five years, and um, I originally went to photo school. I did the two year program here. We have a great program here in Edmonton. And as such, we have a lot of grads every year, so we have a high percentage of really good photographers here in our city, and every year there's, you know, 20 more trained ones. Um, so my background is, is professionally or, you know, properly, I don't, I don't like to say properly trained, but um, technically trained in school. Classically and, trained, right? Yes, classically trained and, and then trained in, in life because I say my training doesn't stop there. You know, I continue to train 
myself through life experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, I went from school. I did actually commercial photography for a couple of years, product tabletop stuff, working for some other guys, getting my feet wet, and food photography. I still do a bit of food photography. My husband has a, a health blog, and we've done recipes and food on there. And from there, I went into portrait and wedding photography because my partner at the time, um, we got into that together and we created our own studio. We were quite, quite popular and he still carries out the studio here. We've now since divorced and I've moved on to, to other things. So my background, yeah, is technically classically trained studio photographer. You know, I've done my own darkroom work. I've done my own retouching negatives and prints and um, you know, I've used a Hasselblad and a four by five and all that stuff. So, yeah. So when you say, when we talk about classically trained photography, we're talking about just sort of the, the physics behind light and understanding composition and exposure instead of putting the camera on P or automatic and going out there and shooting. Right. So just quickly, what, what's your perspective on that? Like being classically trained versus today, you know, I don't want to say, you know, youngsters today can, you know, have it easy, but in terms of the, the tools that are available to us today, for example, is it, I know I, I'm a big proponent of understanding the photo, you know, to the photonic level of light and how it reacts in different situations. But is that, is that really important these days when we have these supercomputers in our cameras? Um, yeah, I think it is. Like, I actually just taught a class this weekend on travel photography, and my my students tend to be beginner to intermediate amateurs, you know, that just want to take better pictures, right, when they go on vacation and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And one of the things we talked a lot about over the two-day class was light. And I showed them, you know, hard light versus soft light and direction of light, and I gave them an assignment to go and create texture and um, how to look for texture and things like that. And when um, we got to a question in their hand, out, I kind of give them a fill in the blanks handout and one of the questions was how important is light and a couple of them yelled out it's everything and so I felt like yay okay I've yep. done my job <laughs> my yep. work here is done um, and so uh, me as a photographer um, I feel privileged to see light everywhere you know like I'll be having dinner in a cafe and I'll say to my husband wow those people over there have rim light it's really great and I'll get out my yes. iPhone and I'll take a picture of the people next to me and he's like what are you doing <laughs> you yeah. crazy woman or um, I, I lit my my food the other night with a candle that was on the table and I took a food shot with my iPhone you know and yeah. processed it and you know some stuff and stuck it on Facebook and everybody thought it was a uh, you know something I'd done professionally in the studio <laughs> and I just did it great? With my I mean that's great yeah. I, I got stuck with that affliction as well when I was first learning photography and it still persists to this day and when we when I was first learning photography I guess I'm classically trained to uh, in the military though and we, we would go out on these assignments when I was training where we could we had to identify different properties of light or different kinds of light whether it be specular or diffuse or you know why what's making that hard shadow over there and why is it soft why does someone look better today versus another day and then that just persists on you kind of find yourself looking at things like wow people look better on cloudy days than they do on really bright sunshiny days you know that kind of thing so yeah totally. it's really it's it's the curse of light i call it i love it so let's talk about you. Let's go into the the business side of you, which is what I wanted to dive in specifically. So herviewphotography.com is the site that you run. It's sort of your home on the web, and you built it. What was the genesis of that site? Where did it come from? 
Um, it started off as um, my own photography, so I was was doing some portraits and weddings, kind of on the side because um, I did. I've reinvented myself in the industry, like you said many times. So I've gone from, you know, commercial shooter to portrait wedding shooter to um, leaving my studio that I built, and I actually was a rep in the industry for nine years. You might not oh, even wow. know this, but I sold um, I sold albums. I was an album rep for a company based out of Auckland, New Zealand. So mm-hmm. I might um, pop out a Kiwi accent for you every now and then. <laughs> so I can I can relate to Trey really well. I love um, it. I love it. Yeah, and so I've done many things in the industry, and and I was doing some you know portrait weddings on the side. So the HerViewPhotography.com was my own sort of side studio, and I did weddings for you know other studios contract and did my own and that kind of thing, and and it kind of morphed because. Three years ago, I got remarried, and we actually rented out our house and took off for six months in an RV with our two cats and traveled around the U.S. So we went 17,000 miles, and coincidentally, I took 17,000 photos over six months. And when I got back, I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? What do do I want to be when I grow up, right? (laughs) And and, um, I've I've morphed it into um, more of a teaching site. So now my site is about photo tips and um, I'm, I'm doing like yourself some interviews with prominent photographers and, and also mm-hmm. up and comers, you know, some people that I find, you know, they're going to be the next, the next big thing. And yeah. um, the, the direction that I'm moving is um, I'm actually probably going to have a new website in a couple of months, but I'm not going to give that away yet. Oh, a teaser. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Me too, by the way. So I'm teasing that. Um, yeah. So that, that, that is really interesting. And like, when you when you split your time during the day between I know every day is different, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're self employed every day your days vary wildly, right? So especially as a photographer. So when you look at let's look at it from a week standpoint, what percentage of time are you spending actually out shooting and image making versus spending time working on your personal brand and your website and all that? Um, I would say probably not as much shooting as as I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also winter here, so I'm I'm a bit of a, a wuss. I'm not really good with the cold. Hey, <laughs> so hey we, Don, we Don Komarechka. Don Komarechka is a. I know a, uh, snowflakes. I know. I know. He, I he would argue that that's yeah. the best time to be out there. <laughs> I know. I know. I he, I've interviewed him as well, but. Um, I, I'm not I'm not a big winter person, and I like to get out of here. Hence, we did the snowboard thing the one year. But um, so I'm not shooting so much. I am part of like drink and click, so we go out once a month and and hang out as a group. And I go I go out and shoot with my students. We do projects and assignments and things together. Um, so the shooting that I am doing is not commissioned. It's it's purely for myself. And generally, when I'm shooting now, I'm actually thinking in terms of. Uh, what am I going to shoot and how am I going to actually use this on my website to teach somebody something? Um, you know, in December I was involved with Help Portrait where we did, you know, portraits for free for mm-hmm. people that can't afford it. And I did a, a blog post about it and I showed some of the, you know, people that I, I photographed and I told a couple of their stories. And then along with it, I gave some portrait tips, you know, how to interact with your subjects and things like that. So in my head now, I'm always thinking about how can I, spin this into what can I teach somebody about what I'm shooting? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you so teach my percentages, it? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It? Finish. Yeah. No, no. What's um, your percentage? My, 
my percentage would be I'm probably shooting 10% and the rest is is processing, marketing, hanging out. Um, I do a lot of private tutoring as well, um, mm -hmm. both here in person and, and online tutoring. So a lot of my time is, is that also. So just communicating with students. So private tutoring, tell me about that. What, is, what does that mean? You, you initiate a Skype session or, or a Google Plus session and and explain things or is it you're have, yeah, sitting down yeah. with coffee and a Starbucks and explain, you know, how does that work? It, well, here's my coffee. It could be either. <laughs> I mean, if, if we live in the same city, then I'm doing a uh, <laughs> nice product placement. Mm -hmm. I'm doing an in-person um, tutoring session and sometimes that involves they come to my home and we're talking about camera settings. So really, really basic, you know, from people that just bought their camera. They have no idea. They've opened the box. They don't know what to do with it yeah. versus somebody who's had it for a little while. Um, my tutoring students tend to be people also that either don't learn well in a classroom setting. They prefer a one-on-one. -on -one. Or they've gone to a few classes and they find that there's sort of there's some gaps in their in their knowledge and there's a certain thing that they're just not getting and so they come to me to help them fill in the gaps or we'll go out and shoot together and then I'm helping them on the fly you know like who doesn't want to have a private you know little person talking over their head going did you check your eyes out are you sure you focused on that you know right. did you lock the tripod legs and that kind of stuff right yeah yeah and what is that what does that run if I wanted to sign up and have you train me. What am I going to pay, and how long? How much of Darlene's time do I get? Uh, in person here, it's eighty-five dollars an hour, and I do two-hour sessions. And online, it's seventy dollars an hour, and it's usually two hours as well. We do a Google Hangout, and I record it so that at the end they get their own private recorded lesson, so they can go and watch it as many times as they want. Oh, that's really cool! I love it. See, that's the thing I love about this stuff. It's and people like you is your. You're riding the wave, and a lot of people are – you'd be surprised when you look outside of the bubble of people that have embraced this kind of technology. They're like, okay, what's a hangout? Well, you know, all that stuff. And you are not only riding the wave, but you're monetizing the wave. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that is really cool. So then, like, so her view photography – yeah, exactly, exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> so her view photography um, – the site itself. So the workshop piece of it. I'm looking at it right now. So the work, the workshop okay. piece of the site. Tell me how the the where those came from, and you know, it, are they going well, and what's the deal there? Yeah, they um, they actually came from. I was working. Well, I do work part time at a camera store locally, mm -hmm. which has two benefits. I'm connected to the industry, and I, and I get nice discounts. So that's nice. a nice little bonus. Very good. <laughs> and yeah. I get Canon shirts and things like that. You know, so. Um, I literally was at my desk one day and my boss came around and he said, Hey, do you ever, you know, teach or speak? And I said, yeah, I've done that. And he goes, do you want to teach some classes? Okay. And he told me to come up with some classes. So literally I started writing classes and then I got involved with the local continuing education through the school board and I teach with them as well. And I do an HDR class there. And um, now I'm also teaching with another fellow who's running his own photography school and we do locally stuff together. And then I also do the the tours. I'm starting to do some some local photography tours. Um, to the one I've got running right now is to Drumheller. It's a it's a really neat area in southern Alberta where it's kind of I call it the mini Grand Canyon. Oh. Um, there's it's like a badlands. So it's it's kind of desert. There's old mines. There's ghost towns. There's there's hoodoos. It's a really cool area. Yeah. And uh, I have one coming up this spring where I'm take a bunch of people there. And I'm also working on. Uh, photo wine tours so we get to photograph and drink wine at the same time 
autofocus is always helpful in those situations. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the curve of focus go down as the workshop proceeds. Right? Exactly. But That's, the fun level goes up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have much more fun. Cool. All right, so I want to be respectful of your time, and I know you have a ton of things to do. So let's. the last thing that I want to talk about is just sort of tips that people can take away from what you're doing. Um, so if a photographer's out there, let's say, let's assume that the photographer has been shooting for a good amount of time. They know their way around a camera. They know how to make images. They're familiar with Google and, you know, all the online services that they can leverage. What should they do in terms of trying to diversify themselves into doing more of what you're doing, like going into the tutoring and the workshops and the tours and, you know, all that stuff? What, what would be your advice for the photographer that says, yeah, I want to be, I want to do what Darlene's doing. How do I, how do I start moving in that direction? Well, number one, I didn't know that I was going to be a good teacher until I started. And, and mm -hmm. everybody's probably had the experience of going to different classes and some people are good teachers and some people are not, you know, just because you can do doesn't mean you can teach. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I was writing my courses, especially the HDR one, because it's highly technical and you know, you need to learn a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, just, coming up with definitions for photography terms and things, I had to really go back into my history and think about it because a lot of what I do is instinctive, right? And I don't think about depth of field and how am I going to focus and where am I going to focus and what settings am I shooting on my camera? I just do it, right? And so slowing down and thinking about how to explain those things actually I think makes me a better photographer. So my advice would be that you know if you want to teach, you really have to put some thought into, okay, who's your, who's your audience? And what level are they going to be at? You have to speak on their level. You know, like you can't go and teach somebody Spanish and start talking fluent Spanish because they're not going to get it, right? Yeah. So you can't yeah. speak photographer ease. you got to speak um, average person. Um, the thing I would say is if you want to diversify, if you want to get into teaching or doing this kind of thing, um, is what is it that you're passionate about? You know, you might be a portrait wedding photographer, but you actually really enjoy photographing flowers, right? So maybe there's no money in photographing flowers, but there might be some money in teaching people to photograph flowers because that's what people want to photograph, right? Yeah, yeah. So take something that you're passionate about. It could be uh, dogs, you know, like I know a friend of mine who loves to go to the dog park and he photographs dogs and things at the dog park and he's made that his little niche is, is pet photography, but not pet photography in the studio, pet photography in action, you know, so you can get yeah. action pictures of your dog at his prime having fun, you know? Yeah. So I say take what you love and, and run with that. I love it. You can only, you can only run with one football at a time, right? So <laughs> grab, grab your football and run for the goal line. I love it. Exactly. Okay. Well, Darlene, where can, where can people go? We know it's herviewphotography.com is your domain name. Would you like folks to just go directly there or are there other places that you'd like they to go They can join me on Google Plus as well. They can find me on Google Plus. Um, they can also find me on Twitter. I'm ProPhotoTutor on Twitter. I love it. And I would suggest that people definitely follow you on Google Plus because you're, doing, you're starting to do more and more hangouts and interviews and, and that sort of thing. In fact, you've got one coming up later today, right? And you're going to be talking, you're going to be talking about the dreaded watermark. Yes, you know, to dilemma. watermark or not to watermark? That is <laughs> the, the question. dilemma. Yeah, I know. Here, and here's my answer. I can just save you the time of doing that hangout early. Don't watermark your images. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from and, Trey and Radcliffe. <laughs> 
I know a lot of people feel that way, and I, I tend to move that more direction myself. I, I do watermark, but I'm not going to give away the whole hangout now. But yeah. we'll, uh, we've got about um, hopefully four or five, six people going to be in the roundtable discussion today, and um, should be an interesting go back and forth because I know a couple of us do add watermarks and some don't. So maybe they'll convince us. Otherwise, or maybe we'll convince them. We'll see what happens at the end of the day. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the repeat of that because I really want to know what what varying opinions are. Because I'm, I, you know, I tend to be opinionated, and my opinion is, you know, why mess up your pixels and putting a logo on there? But I understand why you'd want to because it's branding, and you know, your image is floating around out there, and it it speaks for you. It's your own personal billboard and all that. So I get it, but you know, at the same time, I'm like, eh, whatever. So I wanna I wanna I wanna hear what people say. So what time what time are you doing? I was that? hoping to get uh, I was hoping to get Klaus Herman on, you know, the um, Vernal Ramo guy, and and he was quite interested to join us, but apparently it's one a.m. there, so oh. it's not quite his time zone. Yeah, no bueno. He's, he's got a small he's got a small baby. So uh, we're doing that at uh, four thirty PST this afternoon. Love it. All right. Well, follow Darlene, and if you are watching this after the fact, then uh, head over to Darlene's profile on Google Plus, and you'll find it. Or on you have a. It'll be, on, you, it'll be on my website next week. And on, on your oh okay yeah go to go to Herview Photography. You'll find that. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Darlene. I appreciate it. It's been fun. I look forward to uh, talking with you again. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Have a good day. Okay, that was Darlene Hildebrandt from Her View Photography. You can check her out at her site, leave her a message, and let her know you heard about her on This Week in Photo. Okay, let's do some, some listener Q&A real quick. This is a segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. Question number one is from RJ Prusky. This question came in from the, the uh, TWIP Google Plus community. He says, I'm currently in the process of relocating to a bigger or a city due to my wife's job. I currently have a small portrait wedding business as a hobby or side job, and I'm wondering what steps I should take to brand my business in this new city to get my name out there. Now, Nicole, you um, recently relocated to a new city, and you already had your name out there. But what, like, how would you position this? How would you, what would you tell RJ if he came to you in a coffee shop and said, "Hey, Nicole, I'm new here. How do I get people to know about me?" That's a tough one because I'm in a very different situation. Yeah. Uh, I, my clients, clients, I put in little finger quotes because <laughs> I sell stock photography uh, mm -hmm. and I write books and all that stuff. All my, anyone that basically buys things that I create are off in the, you know, from the internet or in a bookstore. Uh, so I don't actually have any direct contact. Uh, it's all with, virtual, right? Yes, it's all virtual. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not really tied down to any one spot. Um, if I did want to get involved in, it's hard to say, you know, it's, I would say have a really good online presence because if I'm looking for someone to photograph my wedding. Wait, are you going to talk about your story again, Nicole? Is that no, I promise <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate it. Um, no, Store.nicolezy.com. <laughs> yeah. So if I were to, if I were to, in need of hiring a photographer, I would probably start searching. I'd look on Facebook. I'd look on Google Plus. I'd ask for recommendations. Um, so I would say the very top of your list is to have a really good social and social presence online, as well as a really good blog. And you know, we've been talking all about that throughout the show. Uh, make sure that you have a really great portfolio that shows your best work, that you are in a specific city. Maybe say you're new, uh, just because people. That's that's how a lot of people are going to find you, unless you're planning. You know, if you're planning on actually having a physical studio, that's a different story. 
because uh, people will find you that way as well. But um, possibly, you know, there are communities, photo communities with other photographers that can maybe help you um, in the right path. Smug, there's smug, smug meetups and yeah. uh, photo walks. It just really depends on, on where you're located. Excellent. Excellent. I don't know if that's any, if that's helpful at all, but <laughs> you know, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. And there's, there's two schools of thought or multiple schools of thought, but two big ones. And that's the online versus brick and mortar mm-hmm. school of branding online. That's where I live, you know, and there's, there's a lot of ways and a lot of ways to answer the question about marketing yourself and getting your name out there. And I would agree with you, Nicole, having a, having a, an online presence that is representative of your brand and that you can direct people to as sort of your hub, Mm-hmm. Um, would be the place to start, and I would I, I would argue that starting there, even if you're on a brick and mortar, is key and critical because mm-hmm. the having a blog or website that is the center of your universe, and then tacking onto that your social media, you know, legs like kind of like a spider. In the middle of the spider is your blog or your online presence, and then everything uh, like your Twitter, your Facebook, your Google, all that stuff is kind of driving traffic into your own real estate that. That would kind of be a way to start building your blog. Tom, what about you? What you is you when you think about building a a brand presence online, and then say say you're new, you know, let's say let's take RJ's question and take it out of the yeah. physical world and put it online. He's just he wants to mm-hmm. rebrand himself. How would he start? Uh, that gets back to the community thing. Actually, even with the brick and mortar case, I think the sort of intersection between online and brick and mortar is Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so that might be a really good place to start because I know people that hired photographers through that uh, and hired all kinds of people through Craigslist. Uh, so that would be one place to start. I think another uh, for rebranding, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm pretty far away from that marketing. Uh, I've never been good at it. <laughs> you don't have to brand yourself, right? That's, yeah. That's well. That's that's the weakness. But in, of, in your world, of doing everything yourself, you're not you're not very good at everything. So. But in your world, I mean, part of branding is writing as well. So when you write for Maker, right? People are seeing your name attached to that and associating you with understanding how to build right. radio that's stations more, and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, right? that's that's about building voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really, and so you want to say, well, what's the thing that I'm bringing? Uh, and when, and in this case, he, what he's bringing is in part geography. Right. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you get. Well, another thing is like Google Maps. You know, you can buy ads that are location aware. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, so that that's yeah. Once he's established, and he once he's established, and he wants to start marketing himself, then that's when you get into. All right. that other crazy stuff, yeah. Right. It's interesting. That's an interesting question. The second piece of this, or the second question uh, this week is from Tom Clark. He writes, I recently bought a used Nikon 500mm 1.4p non-autofocus lens, and he's trying to obtain info on the lens, its age, and how to use it to shorten the learning curve. So I think the, the easy way to answer this is... If it's a manual and older lens, I don't know that there's any registry or anything that keeps track of those kind of lenses. And learning how to use it means just learning how to be a photographer and, and, and shooting and that sort of thing. But a different way to attack this question, I think, would be used gear in general and how to manage purchasing used gear. Now, Tom, do you, like, when you're, when you're buying stuff, you know, whether it be photography stuff or otherwise, it, say it's photography stuff, you know, you go down that road. What are some rules of thumb that you would give the TWIP listeners on how to make sure they're not going to get taken for a ride when they buy that next 500 millimeter? 
Oh, well, yeah, you would really like to try that, um, unless it's really cheap uh, and you can afford uh, to lose. Uh, for that particular lens, I would invest in a really good tripod. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you, keeping that lens still is going to be the challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah we have longer some, lenses. They make some, and, and, and the problem is the balance, right? <laughs> because you're going to have a lot of weight out in front of the camera. And so uh, they actually make some really fancy tripod mounts that uh, allow you to mount at the center of gravity because that's the key, right? Because then it's not going to have a, a tilty force on it that's trying to pull it the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, but when and you can spend more on the tripod and the mount than you do on the lens. <laughs> but when you're looking at it from the standpoint of... of making sure that you're buying the right gear or you're not buying like you know it, it, maybe there's no answer to this but well, you don't you don't want to get a box with some rocks in it that says Nikon on the outside you know well that's that's definitely true but uh what and what the the approach that I've used and I have bought used gear uh say from eBay uh is you're you just have to be prepared to take a risk just don't mm -hmm. uh when, when you buy it you think well uh this is high risk high reward you don't want to do something that's it's high risk, high reward is fine, right? Because you're getting a really good deal, hopefully. So what you don't want to do is just save a few dollars and and get something used. You want to, you know, you want to spend less than half. You'd, you'd really like to get something that's almost salvage value, like 10% or of list or something like that, and then get three or four of them. And hopefully one of them will work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the way I've done it. And spread, then maybe that's why I have a chance of junk. Hmm. I love it. <laughs> Spread the chances around. Nicole, what about you? I mean, what, like, are there any rules of thumb for buying used gear to just not get burned? Yeah. You know, I've bought a few used um, items. I bought a camera and a couple lenses, and but I bought them from friends who were mm -hmm. selling. I think they were both switching from uh, Canon to Nikon. So, yeah, you know, it was we got a good deal because uh, yeah. it was friends. Um, but, you know, in this particular case, his lens is a manual, probably a very old lens, I'm guessing. Uh, you know, you don't really find manual lenses for digital cameras. And when you're buying stuff like this, you're not going to necessarily have the right connections on your lens to your camera, to your digital camera. So the lens should still work, but it's not going to be able to, let's say, alter the aperture, you'll probably get like a funny line or a zero or something on your aperture setting. Uh, so, you know, because you're going to crank the aperture yourself. So yeah. you'll have to use the meter in your camera and actually shoot completely manual mm -hmm. in order to make this kind of a lens work. So you're going to have to focus manually and meter, you know, and set your uh, aperture shutter speed manually. So that's just something to really keep in mind if you do want to go this route. You know, might you know it's probably a good uh, it's probably a good deal on an older lens. But if you want to shoot sports with it, then you know you're you're out of luck. I mean, granted, people right. did it, but it's people not, did it, and it can be done. But yeah. you're you're going to be doing a lot of pre-focusing and oh, waiting until yeah. the action happens right at the right spot and taking the picture. <laughs> None of that follow focus, or maybe yeah. you can do it. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'll get an email saying, hey, in my day, I used to shoot <laughs> with a 7,000 millimeter lens and I did sports with it and we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's move on to the, the picks of the week. One of my favorite parts of the show. This is where you guys can pick anything that you want as long as it's somehow related to photography. Nicole S. Young. I want to say Nicole Matthias. Nicole Matthias. Nicole. Let's call me Nicole. 
I'm going to say young. Nicole, <laughs> what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is the Low Pro Passport Sling 2. Um, for those of you who are actually watching the video, I am showing it because I have it right here. It's um, I haven't had a lot of sling bags, but this is actually a really, really comfortable one. And it has a zipper on, on this side that you can um, expand it. It holds a good amount of gear. I actually nice. find this um, really, well, it's it's kind of cute. It's not black. I really am sick of black camera bags. Yeah. Uh, but it has, you know, it has a lot of stuff on the on the inside. You can fit quite a bit in there. And it's nice for, like, photo walks. So I use this, I've used it just as a, as a normal bag. I've used it, I used it when we walked around New York um, earlier this year, I guess this last, last month, and um, stuck the camera in there and then just my, the rest of my stuff, and it was pretty comfortable, so... I don't know, Nicole. That thing kind of reminds me of one of those uh, little baby pouches that. <laughs> like a, like a, no. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It looks like a baby no. pouch. <laughs> don't get any ideas. <laughs> Is that dual purpose? Is that a dual purpose thing going on there? I don't know. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Nicole. All right, uh, Tom, what is your pick of the week? Well, mine is my favorite uh, test chart. I really like measuring cameras uh, to see what they'll do. Uh, we didn't get to the ultra pixel story, but uh, yeah, <laughs> ISO 12233. And that is a test chart, and you can get a PDF for this test chart uh, from a website that can be in the show notes. It's uh, from Cornell. And what this chart does is you take a picture of it, and you can... Uh, see all sorts of defects in your camera or your oh, lens. Oh, no, I don't want to take a picture of that. <laughs> oh, if you need an excuse to buy new gear, you're just one picture away. I, I will look it. at this thing and say, oh, no, everything's got to go. Oh, uh, that's what's uh, on the wall behind you, right? Yes, that's that's the chart. Because uh, I was just checking my uh, my Nikon uh, and comparing it to a, uh, an iPhone 4S. And it was it was. Uh, who Quite won? Interesting, actually. Who, who won the battle? Oh, the Nikon uh, won handily. Nice. Uh, even though it has fewer pixels, it's uh, it's a much much better picture. It's a camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's got a it's got a real lens on it. So um, anyway, this this chart uh, it, it doesn't doesn't exactly tell you how to use it, but it's pretty intuitive. Uh, you can just take a picture and it, it won't look anything like what you printed out. I got it printed out at, uh, at the best printer I could find at Kinko's on an 11 by 17 sheet. And uh, you just hang it up someplace flat and take a picture and you're almost guaranteed to be disappointed. Great. Great. Nice. That'll, that'll win the Buzzkill Award for this show. <laughs> like basically, all of your gear is, is out of calibration and crap. That's why you can't focus. Right? <laughs> or maybe it's great. Who knows? I was actually pretty happy with the Nikon. And, that's cool. And pretty unhappy with the iPhone. That's a that's a great pick. It's much it's less expensive than my pick. I'll tell you that. Mine is uh, <laughs> well. First of all, uh, skillfeed.com. I think they're really cool. So I'd like people to go definitely go check those guys out. Um, but my geeky pick of the week is the Phantom. Now you guys, you if you haven't clicked on this link, Nicole and Tom, you have to click on the link in the show notes because this thing. I would argue is one of the coolest things in the world, especially after you watch these videos. What is it? It's a it's a drone, right? So yeah. it's a it's a remote control helicopter that you can stick a GoPro in, oh. radio control it. It's GPS controlled, so you can say, "Yeah, hover right there," and it'll use GPS to hover itself. 
while you take pictures wirelessly from the it's just insane for the low low price of uh, I think it's like six hundred bucks or oh, something. That's like not that. too bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a real drone where you'd add three or four yeah. zeros to it. <laughs> <laughs> like several people, you know, behind the exactly. Dog. Yeah, and it, and it only shoots pictures. It doesn't shoot any kind of weaponry. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh, and it looks cool. It looks very Tron like. And uh, who told me about this? Aaron Mailer. I was in uh, Washington uh, last week, and I met up with Aaron Mailer. He used to be on Twip a lot. Um, he was going to try to come on tonight, but he couldn't make it and talk about this thing, but he owns one and he turned me onto it. And now I'm, I'm stuck and I have to get one. It's just the coolest thing in the world. Tom, I know you as a maker guy, geek, you have to be salivating looking at this. Cause this is like geek Nirvana here. What do you think of it? Oh, uh, well, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, there, there are a lot of, uh, it's a popular maker project are these quadcopters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're all the rage and, and people are, doing amazing work. They scale up. Uh, you know, you can make just as much quadcopter as you, you have the guts to spin the rotors. Yeah, uh, yeah. quadcopter or uh, decapitation machine at exactly. certain sizes. Yes, <laughs> yes. On, off, decapitate. Yeah, yeah crowd, crowd disbursement <laughs> machine. <laughs> yeah, well, this one, luckily, it seems pretty small and harmless. Um, I think it has just enough power to get a GoPro off the ground, uh, but it looks it looks amazing. And the the one negative, or one, I'm sure there's more more than one negative, but one of the negatives that Aaron was telling me about is that once you charge it up fully, you roughly get about eight minutes of flight time with this thing. So <laughs> good, actually. Yeah, so it's not like you're I mean, going to do a wedding with it or something. <laughs> you know? Right. But well, if you want to just do, do some flight. aerials of your oh, house. Kind of like yeah, yeah. I mean, if you yeah. want to do like some aerials of your house or whatever. You know. Yeah, What's that, Nicole? What, is? what kind of altitude does it get? I, I wonder how smooth uh, he said he got it. He said he, it gets pretty high. It gets pretty high, and it's very smooth when it's in motion. There's video. There's video. YouTube videos on the site. It looks really. I mean, it looks cinematic. The, the, we should convince the, borrow lenses to have this in as their rental with their rental equipment. Can you imagine how many times <laughs> they'd replace this? Like every time they sent it out. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and the terms of service, please do not. We can't ship it to New York City. I'm sorry. And no, can you imagine <laughs> if they ship this thing to Washington D.C.? That would not be a good idea. Oh, <laughs> that would not be a good idea. Bad things could happen to your drone at that point. <laughs> well, I don't think GPS works there. Um, so that's. <laughs> oh the- yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, at least not military grade GPS. All right, guys. Uh, with that, you know, as we open up the political side of this show, we're at the end of this episode. Nicole, where can people go to find out? You notice I avoided saying your last name. Um, <laughs> where would you like people go to find out other than store.nicolezy.com? Just straight up nicolezy.com. Nicolezy.com. And there you'll find a link to store.nicolezy.com. That's right. <laughs> Awesome. I'm looking. I got the site up right now. It looks really slick. I'm so. Well, thank you. I am really impressed that you did all that by yourself. It looks yeah, you really, I, really good. I actually liked the theme so much, and I was like, so I, then I, I put that theme on my blog. So that way, oh, cool. They kind of match yeah. together. So you'll see, there's a lot of continuity there between. Yeah, now, so. that's good. Awesome. Yeah. All right, all right. And Tom Anderson, where can people go to find out more about you and what you're working on? Uh, I am Tomacorp almost everywhere. T-O-M-A-C-O-R-P. Uh, and I'm sometimes in Make Magazine. Nice. Do you have a, a website? Uh, I'm actually redoing Tomacorp.com as a Squarespace site. 
Uh, oh, just started cool. a, a week or so ago. I had looked at it a few years ago and it, uh, and decided against it, but I, I looked at the version 6, and it has so much more, uh, and it looks like that's got to be the way to go. So in a few weeks, there should be a Tomacorp.com again. Awesome. And as we mentioned last week, they just added commerce to it, so you can sell stuff from your Squarespace site now as well. Nicole, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, maybe all that junk in my garage. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, guys, this is a ton of fun. Uh, thanks for coming on. And listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. And also, please remember to join our community over on Google+. And finally, if you're looking for me, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.